Good morning and welcome to our Tuesday and Thursday TNT devotionals. My name is Mike. I'm our Friendswood Campus Pastor and um, I'm just so honored to encourage you and to study the Word of God with you this morning. So if you have your Bible, your Bible app, uh, before we start I'll remind you you can turn to the book of Luke chapter 14 and we're going to be in verse 1 all the way from 7 through possibly 14 depending on how much time I decide to use. I'm joking. Depending on how much time I have this morning. So if you don't know this, we are in our last six devotionals that are left. So technically today is number six. After me there are five devotionals left and and it's been such a wonderful time. Um, I know when the pandemic first started, and we kicked off these devotionals. We were doing them every day. Then we went to Tuesdays and Thursdays. And now we're down to our last five. And what an honor and uh, just a blessing it's been to come into your homes. And I pray that we've been an encouragement to you through uh, these times. And we're very, very thankful you're part of our church family. So if you are here for the very first time, if you're a first-time guest, I'm sorry, but there's only five left. But we're so glad that you're here with us. And uh if you've got a prayer request, make sure you log it in. Um, our church family loves to pray, and we believe in the power of prayer. Also, if you don't know this, get your phones out, calendars. This coming Saturday, Saturday, this Saturday, is the fall market. Who's excited about the fall market? Hundreds of local vendors who are going to be selling some awesome stuff out there. Great opportunity to get Christmas presents. It's going to go from the morning to the afternoon. Um, for specific hours, go to newhopechurch.tv under our events page, and you'll see the information there. Or you can go to our Instagram or Facebook page at New Hope Church TV. And uh, it's going to be an awesome opportunity to get some great Christmas gifts, uh, to have a blast. But remember this, really, I think the crux, the most important part of the fall market is this. When you purchase something at the fall market, the proceeds that we get will go to the Night to Shine, where we put on a prom night event for special needs folks. We partner with the Tim Tebow Foundation, and it is such a beautiful opportunity to be a blessing. Yeah, you get some cool stuff, but you also get to be a blessing to, I believe, a part of the community that is often forgotten. And so make sure you attend the fall market. It's going to be right in Friendswood at our Friendswood campus this coming Saturday. It's going to be a blast. Also, don't forget, October 23rd is the Fall Delight. It's coming right around the corner. So if you're at one of your campuses, make sure you drop off some candy at one of the boxes. Um, I'm sure uh, they'll appreciate that. So, And also, if you want to volunteer, make sure you op uh, go to a New Hope Kids area on Sunday and uh, tell them you want to volunteer to be a part of the Fall Delight. And you can uh, serve candy out of your trunk. All right. Also, if you don't know this, uh, Life Group Connect just finished. But if you have not got connected to Life Group, all you have to do right now is text the word groups to 642123. When you text the word groups to 642123, it's going to send you a link that'll get you to the Life Group page. Click the Life Group Finder and you can go through there. And man, we have some great group leaders that kicked off their group this week. And you really don't want to miss out. It's a real blessing. I know I, I get so excited. I actually get to lead uh, or uh, get to lead two groups, a young adult group that meets at uh, 8.30 in the morning, those are our 18 through 25-year-old kids and uh, young men and women. And uh, we meet at Dunn's Coffee in Friendswood. We met for the very first time this week. It was so awesome. Uh, one of the leaders that are in there, Jordan, uh, a guy I've had the opportunity of discipling, he's just killing it in there, and it's a great group. I also lead a life group with our married couples on Tuesday nights, and it's in our living room, so it's such a blast. So if you have not got connected to a life group, check it out. Go to our life groups page. You can even do that. Go down to the life group finder. You'll find a spot right there. 
So I'm really excited about this morning's text. Hey, but before we get to it, would you join me in a prayer? Jesus, we know you're everywhere, but we invite you into this place, into this space to speak into not just our minds, but our hearts, Lord. God, may our, our, our lives be changed and better because you are better. You are the best, God. And uh, may you transform our thinking, our minds, our hearts to look more like yours and forgive us when we go off course. It's in Jesus' name we all say, amen. All right. So if you're in Luke chapter 14, verse 1, we're going to go from there to verse 10. So let's read one. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. So Pharisees were um, implementers of the law, teachers of the law. Um, they were people who upheld the Jewish customs, the laws, very specifically. So the laws are in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And, and, and they're just so clear about making sure that everyone follows the law. And, and they're watching Jesus because they're like, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? And they're constantly waiting to catch him in a lie or they're waiting for him to mess up. And so they're watching him like a hawk. And the ironic part about this is when we try to disprove God or, or we try to see where God is messing up, it kind of really it demonstrates not just to others, but it exposes who we are in our hearts. And really, they've been exposed, uh, um, not for the good people that they are, but for the bad intentions that they're demonstrating. And in verse 7, it says this, When he noticed, Jesus said, of course, how the guests picked the places of honor at the table. He told them this parable. So, so there's a table, and, and, and back in Jesus' time, people might sit down, or, or maybe they might lay down. And, and Jesus is noticing, as these guys are coming in, they, they, I'm assuming they might be pushing each other and saying, hey, I'm more important, or hey, look at my stripes, or hey, look at my clothing, or I'm a better teacher, or I have a better, bigger synagogue, or I have more pe people that follow me. And so they're pushing around to get to the top of the table, to get to the most prominent, Prominent places. And Jesus just, it's not just their, their habits of what they're doing, but Jesus sees their heart. And in verse 8, it says, Jesus said, When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a poor person more distinguished than yourself may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your guests, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Gosh, I bet you those guys must have just felt so bad. Like, oh, wait a minute. Is, and I wonder, did they really th understand that Jesus was talking to them when he says, those for, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted? Because as far as they were concerned, because of their prominence, because of their intelligence, because of how smart they were, they deserve to be in the seat of honor. But the truth is, 1 Corinthians 8.1 tells us, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You know, intelligence doesn't equal competency in all areas of life. Recently, I heard a story about, and I don't think it's a true story, but it's a funny story about four men who were in a plane, and the plane was going to crash, and there were only three parachutes. 
And one of them says, of course, the pilot says, hey, listen, I'm the pilot. I own this plane. That parachute belongs to me. And so he puts the parachute on, jumps out of the plane and goes to safety and eventually lands. So there's three guys left in the plane and there's only two parachutes. And so the other guy is a scientist and he's a rocket scientist at that very brilliant scientist. And he says, I'm one of the most smartest scientists in the world. The world needs my knowledge. And he's and he says, give me that that. Uh, that uh that 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 backpack and uh and and he, and he jumps out of the plane goes well the last two people one was a pastor and the other one was a professional backpacker and the pastor looks at the young professional backpacker and says listen i've lived a long good life and and you know the truth is is i know i'm going to see the lord so you take the parachute and jump out of the plane because there was only one parachute left and the backpacker says sir that won't be necessary that scientist just took my backpack <laughs> Two parachutes left still. So this is the point, guys. So often in our lives, the more we build up in knowledge, the more we learn, sometimes people become arrogant and prideful. That's a totally opposite thing Jesus wants from his followers. In fact, if you try to take this passage as a prescription and say, hey, well, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to learn about the Bible and, and I'm going to do everything he says, it doesn't work. Because what Jesus is ultimately wanting to do, his desire for each and every one of us, is that our hearts would be transformed. Not that we would just become smarter, but that our hearts would be transformed to look more like him. Can we be humble out of sheer obedience or discipline? Sure. But Jesus doesn't just want us to do the right thing. He wants us to desire to do the right thing. You know, there's a story about uh, the former Muhammad Ali, who incredible boxer. And I know towards the end of his life, he was very, very humble. But when he was younger, that might not have been his strong suit. And he's sitting on a plane and, and the plane is having some severe turbulence. And so the young lady goes at, at, after the orders of the pilot and tells everyone, hey, put your seatbelts on. We're going to go through some real, real rough, rough turbulence here. And, and in the front of the plane, there's a young man, and that's Muhammad Ali. And she notices that his seatbelt is on his lap and not buckled. And she goes up to him and she says, sir, would you please buckle your seatbelt? We're going through some rough turbulence. And he looks at her and he says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she returns the, by saying, well, Superman doesn't need a plane then. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, by the way, I think he was entertained. But the point is this. When we are humble, we realize that we need Jesus. You know, humility doesn't make us weak. It makes us strong. It helps us to know that we are in need of a Savior. Reality is this, like we've been going through our marriage series, like Pastor Tim has been talking about it, the best marriages are people who are selfless, not selfish, you know? If we're selfless, it means we're going to have to ask at some point for help. It's why after the services, we've been encouraging people to get counseling, to get help, to get prayer, because we know this, marriage is hard work. No, let me rephrase it. Marriage is heart work, right? Not hard work. And we need Jesus to be at the center of our marriages to make them work. And so Jesus is simply telling them, listen, at the end of the day, you have to humble yourself. Truth is, humility, it makes good people great. It makes ordinary people extraordinary. And Jesus demonstrates this better to us than anyone on the planet. Think about this. God in the flesh comes into the world. In Philippians 2, it says... You know, even though he was divine, equal with God, 
What does he do? He makes himself nothing by becoming a servant, by becoming an ordinary man, and then dying on a cross. It doesn't get any better than that. Jesus shows us, if you want to follow my way, go low. Don't exalt yourself. Go low and see how God will elevate you. And I know that's complete opposite of our world, right? The world tells us to ladder climb. The world tells us to do whatever it takes to get on top. But Jesus says, put others before yourself. And even the disciples struggled with it. There's a story in the Bible of uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, the sons of thunder, as they're also known, who were very boisterous and loud. And, 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 and they were so quick to come to Jesus one day. And they said, Jesus, Jesus, when you ascend to the Father, when you go to heaven, <laughs> they're kind of thinking about his death, I guess. Um, but when you go back to the Father, hey, we want to sit at your right and left hand. They wanted a seat of prominence. And, and, and they said, Jesus, will you guarantee this? And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. You're asking for something that you can't do. And, they, and he said, can you carry my cup? One translation says, can you bear my cup? And they said, of course, we got this, Lord. And what they didn't understand is that Jesus was about to be brutally murdered, put on trial and crucified. And, and he was going to be tortured. And, and, and that wasn't their position to take. But often when we exalt ourselves, we do things that are so out of character, or maybe, maybe they show us who we really are. You know, as we started this series a while back, as we talked about the parables, we talked about the parables being an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But the reality is this, you know, as we look at these Pharisees, it's, it's kind of funny because we're like, man, these people are really messed up. Thank God I'm not, not like them. But you know, the truth is what a parable is. It's a mirror. And it helps us look into our soul. And if we were to be real honest and put a mirror in front of our face this morning, truth is, we might all be challenged with this. And we might all kind of be a Pharisee in our lifetime. Think about it. When was the last time you jumped in line because you thought you were more important than someone else? Or the last time that you were angry because someone else got something you thought you should have? There are so many instances where we can insert our name. Because the reality is this, this may be a wedding feast, but every day we go out into the world, we live in a wedding feast. And the truth is, is the person of honor is Jesus in this world. And you and I have the opportunity to expand his kingdom. But it means that you and I have to take a seat behind Jesus so that the world can see Jesus. And even when we do our good deeds and, and we excel in our work or, or we raise our kids to be awesome or we compete in some sport and we're the best, it's not for our glory. It's for God's glory that he might be exalted. And this is the irony for the Christian is that when we go behind Jesus, God blesses us. And it may not look the way we think it should, but it's what's best for our souls. You know, in fact, Jesus goes on to say in verse 12, then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be paid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be paid at the resurrection of the righteous. You know, I'm reminded 
when Jesus is on, is on the cross being crucified, the Bible tells us there's two thieves. And one thief is just so, so mean. And he says, you know, if you're God, if you're the Son of Man, if you're the Messiah, then call a legion of angels out and come and save us. He didn't believe. But then there was a thief on the cross on the other side of him. And he simply says, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And we know this. Jesus says, today you will be in paradise. What a beautiful, powerful moment. That thief chose to bring himself low, to humble himself. And what did God do? He exalted him. He put him in a seat of honor. And that day he would be in paradise with him. And I think this is the challenge that Jesus leaves us today. That we would humble ourselves. That we would seek to elevate those who are outcasts. Those who have no voice. Those who are weaker than us. That we would not seek to our own self-interest, but the interest of others. That we would be challenged this morning. And I want to encourage you. As you walk out those doors today, as you go and do your work, in whatever space you're in, remember, the world is a wedding feast, and the seat of honor belongs to Jesus. Allow our Heavenly Father to transform your heart, to make you look more like Him, and to change you. It's been a great pleasure and honor to be with you this morning, church family. Thank you, and I hope that I've encouraged you some, and I hope you've been inspired to live more like Jesus. I want to pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for the blessing of being able to humble ourselves, being able to walk in your shadows, Lord. I pray, Jesus, that we would look more like you, Father, as we follow in your footsteps. Jesus, bless our relationships. Forgive us when we go off course. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace. God bless you, church family.